This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministered to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Test Time. It comes from 1 John 4, 1 through 6. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and town rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Our your gift, the Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talking is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13:16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're there too, whether that's Apple or iTunes or Google or Amazon or Spotify. We're there. Just search for WMER, Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Now, if you've been following along with us, you know we've been going through the book of 1 John. And today we're talking about test time or testing the spirit is what it says. But really this is, again, John getting into false teachers, not to believe everything that we hear. If you remember we in 1 John 2, in the second half of that chapter, we looked at the Antichrist and the little Antichrist with the little a versus the big A. Anyway, today as we go through this lesson, you're going to see John challenge us to test the Spirit because we even saw in 1 Timothy that there will be those that want their ears tickled and there will be those that can articulate well, they can preach well, they can put on a show, but they're not teaching the true gospel. It reminds me of teaching my children when they were little on how to eat. You know, it was very fascinating trying to get them and watching their response as they fed themselves and how proud they were that they were able to do that. But I also had to teach them not only to use that spoon and that fork, but to examine the food and know what they were putting in their mouth. If they didn't learn to examine what they were eating, then it could be possible that they would get something in their body that would be harmful to them. And it's the same thing uh, that John is really saying to these young Christians uh, we need to be very careful what we eat in spiritual food. We don't need to be gullible. We don't receive everything that we hear because the person who says it, they claim that they know God or that this is from God, but that's not always the case. And so today we're going to look at how do we test the Spirit. With that said, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1, and I'll be reading out the ESV. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he is who in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So John is picking back up on this false teacher thing that we saw in 1 John chapter 2, the second half. And there's a variety of teaching even today about God and his will. People teach, to, even today, that Jesus was a created God and not the eternal God. People teach that the Holy Spirit's not a person, but just a force of God's activity. There are a variety of teaching about the Holy Spirit, some which may be right on, others that are way off. People teach that baptism is not necessary. There's hundreds of denominations and religious groups, and they all teach different aspects of God and his nature and what he wants us to do. So how are we to know of all this that I've just laid out, and there's even more, what is right? How are we to know what is truth? You know, the Christians in the day of the Apostle John were confronted with the same problem. There are Christians who are making declarations about the nature of Jesus and the effect of sin, and the, all this calls Christians to be shaken in their faith. If you look back at 1 John 4, verse 1 with me, John's first commandment is to recognize that you can't accept every person who claims to have the Spirit of God. At the time that he's writing this, there are people that would claim they had the Holy Spirit. They would claim they had godly wisdom. They would claim they had the gift of prophecy. People were claiming the authority of God which had not been given to them. And John says you cannot accept their words at face value. John says that we must test the Spirit to see whether they are from God. And even so, it's true today. Even though people may claim to have the Spirit of God as Christians, we need to test them and see if their teaching and their authority is from God. Does it line up with God's Word? You might ask Tim, why is this important? Well, the reason for testing is given to us in verse 1. He says, there are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. There are many false teachers claiming authority from God, and they really don't have it. And I tell you, it's the same today. We should not simply accept any teaching without testing it against God's word. What John teaches us, just because a person uses scripture, claims to be a Christian, or has a good reputation, doesn't mean that they're bringing the truth. Many are in disguise. They bring error in their teaching. In John's day, Gnosticism was going through the church, and one of these false doctrine was that Jesus was never really in a human body. Jesus was only a spirit that appeared to be a man, and this denies that Jesus came in the flesh, that Jesus was truly man and truly God. And John gives us a test to see if somebody is in the truth if they believe that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. And if they don't believe this, their message is fault and it's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
Now remember, John is an eyewitness to everything in Christ's ministry. He was with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He is truly an SME, which means he's a subject matter expert. And that's how we test the spirits. We compare them to the words of Jesus. We compare them to the words of the apostle. We compare them to the Bible. John, Paul, Peter all tell the church to not depart from the gospel that was given to them. And even if some of your favorite pastors or teachers are passionate, you know, they're charismatic, they speak authoritatively, that doesn't mean that they have the correct teaching. And how do we do that? Does it line up with the Bible? Is it being used in the right context? Does it match what the apostles were saying, what Jesus said? Listen to what the Bible teaches us in 1 Timothy 4, starting in verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars who consciences are seared, who forbid marriages and require absence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So right here we see a warning about a spirit that will be amongst those that are deceitful, and they are teaching of demons. If we go over to the book of Mark, you'll see where Jesus rebuked a demon that was in the church, was in the temple. The demon was comfortable being in the temple because God wasn't there. But when Jesus showed up, the demon was worried about him. Look at that with me real quick. Turn to Mark 1. We'll start in verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as scribes. And immediately there were in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So even demons can be in our churches. And there are demons in our churches. Maybe not in your church, maybe not in my church. But I tell you that there are churches that are dead and there are demons that are comfortable being there. And we see that even when Jesus went and was reading in the synagogue on the Sabbath, that there was a man with the unclean spirit that cried out, that said who he was. Even the demons know who he is, even though they may trick us. Well, look at verse 2 with me in 1 John, and we see that he gives us a test. And he gives us a test that we can use to see if the teaching about Jesus is false or truth. The question that needs to be answered is, who is Jesus to them, and is Jesus God? See, right there in verse 2, he says that you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God, then that is the spirit of the Antichrist. This reminds me of a time that I was at home and my doorbell rang, and it was two Mormon guys. And I asked them, do you believe that Jesus is God? Because this was a defining principle that the apostles taught about Jesus. And this is what we see that John is teaching us to ask. Mormons believe that they are Christians. But do you know whether or not they're a Christian? Well, from their website, right off Brigham Young University, this is a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they say that they believe the account of Jesus' life and ministry recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament to be historical and truthful. For them, the Jesus of history is indeed the Christ of their faith. 
They believed Jesus is God's Son, the Messiah, the Savior, and fulfilled all prophecy. They believe of the virgin birth and in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. 99% of what they're saying says that it sounds great, it looks right, and listening to it, you would think they're Christians. But there's 1% that they're off on, and it's a foundation of true Christianity. They do not believe that the Bible is without error, or it is the final word of God. What they say on their website is, while we do not believe the Bible is inerrant, complete, or the final word of God, we accept the essential details of the gospel, and more particularly, the divine witness of those men who walked and talked with him or were mentored by his chosen apostles. So they state on their website that they don't believe that the Bible is without error. So what part of the Bible is true and what's not? That's a, that's a big problem. That's our foundation. They also don't believe in the Trinity. The Mormons believe that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three separate beings. In their eyes, every Christian leader, all the way up to the 1800s, were well-meaning, but they simply just got it wrong. But Joseph Smith all of a sudden got it all straightened out. Mormons believe that the Bible has error and it needs more added to it. Jesus is not God, but only the Son of God, and the Trinity is simply a made-up concept and it's not biblical. The 1% off just became 100% wrong because their foundational Christian beliefs are wrong. Well, let me ask you, are Jehovah Witnesses, are they Christians? According to their website, as Jehovah Witnesses, we strive to adhere to the form of Christianity that Jesus taught and that his apostles practiced. These statements summarize their basic beliefs. They worship the Almighty God, the Creator, the same God of Abraham, Moses, and Jesus, they believe the Bible is God's inspired word, and their beliefs are based off all 66 books of the New and Old Testament. But they make a little asterisk on that, that the raw material of the scriptures, not as has been predetermined before 1870s, meaning that the way you and I might have interpreted it was wrong. Now, salvation and deliverance from sin and death is possible through the ransom sacrifice of Jesus. To benefit from that sacrifice, people must not only exercise faith in Jesus, but they also have to change the course of their life and get baptized. That sounds good, right? That it's not just good enough to repent, but then we should see a change. We should turn from that sin and we should go get baptized. A person's works prove that his faith is alive. All that sounds good till about right here where they start saying, hey, we are Christians. However, we've learned from the Bible that Jesus is not Almighty God and that there is no scriptural basis for a Trinity doctrine. So Jehovah Witnesses do not believe that Jesus is God. They do not worship him. They do not believe in the Christian Bible. They have their own version. They don't believe that a person is saved by grace through faith alone, but works are an essential part of the obtaining their salvation. Works-based theology. It is through your works that you earn your salvation is what they really teach. They are not Christians because their foundational beliefs don't line up with the apostles' teaching with what Jesus taught. The Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses both will tell you that the writings of the original apostles are true. But then they'll tell you that what you have to do is, doesn't line up with what the apostles said and wrote in the Bible. Let me give you an example. John 1.1, 1, 1. in the beginning 
The word was already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. Jump down to verse 14 in John 1. So the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Right there, we see the Bible teaches that Jesus was with God. He stepped out of heaven. He came down and he was his son. He was fully God and he was fully man. The Bible teaches in Philippians 2, 5, and 6. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So contrary to popular belief, Jesus said that he was God. And I just gave you several scriptures. I can give you more. John 10, 30 says, The Father and I are one. That's Jesus speaking. And John 10, 33 the Pharisees replied to Jesus in John 10, 33, and they said, We are stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus claimed to be God, and he was part of the Trinity. Even in John 8, 58, Jesus answered, said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. He's saying, I am the great I am. I am the name of God. I am Yahweh of the Old Testament. Jesus is saying that he is the I am. I know I spend a lot of time on Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, and they're known to most of us, I hope, that, that they are not Christians, even though they claim to be Christians, and they will tickle your ears and tell you the things that will get you in. But there are large, prominent Christian churches or so-called churches, for example, in New York that openly say from the pulpit that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. How many are still being fooled by these false teachers? Some of you right now are going, Tim, but I know that my folks that I listen to, they're Christians because they have confidence. They're energetic. They're charismatic. You need to be aware if a person can tell a great story, command the room with his presence, have a certain kind of energy, hundreds or thousands will follow him just because of that charisma. Charisma or presence cannot be our way of determining whether a person is proclaiming the truth. So as Christians, we need to test the spirit. We need to test it with the apostles and the word of God. I'll tell you about another large church out in Texas. There's a false spirit there that teaches health and wealth gospel. It's a name it and claim it teaching. This is the idea that if you just visualize it, if you just ask for it, God is going to give it to you. If you try harder, if you think more correctly, if you ask God, then he'll just give it to you. They teach that if you visualize a mansion, God will give that mansion to you. If you visualize a good parking place at the mall, God's going to give that to you. So the test we have to do is we have to test what is being told to us. Does it line up to the word of God? Is it being used in the right context when it's used out of the word of God? Well, John gives us another test that we can check, and that is the test. Does it appeal to the world? So look at verse five with me real quick. Right after he says that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, in verse 5, he says, They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. This is a test. Does the world listen to them? If it makes sense to the world, then it's not aligned with the Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in the first Corinthians, he told them that the message of the gospel is foolish to the world. That's 1 Corinthians 1.23. If there is a teaching that appeals to the world, then we know that there must be a problem with that message. 
The message of Jesus got him killed. The message of the apostles that they proclaimed got them killed. The message of the prophets got them persecuted and killed. If we hear or proclaim a message that is popular to the world, then it is not the message of God or from God. When churches start caving in to the political and social pressures of the world by allowing the practice of homosexuality, adultery, living together before marriage, and the like of other things that you hear about today where churches are making a stand against other churches, you know these things are not from God because they don't line up with the Word of God. Yet the world praises them because they line up with the way the world wants to live. And John says that these are false teachers. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them, teaching that what is popular from the world will be popular in the world, but it won't line up with the Word of God. Show me in the Word of God where it's okay to practice homosexuality. Show me in the Word of God where it's okay to openly choose and live in adultery. Show me in the Word of God where it's okay to live together before you're married. Show me in the Word of God where it's okay to cheat and steal on your tax return or from your company. I could go on and on what what the world tells you and will proclaim and say it's okay is not okay based on the Word of God. Matter of fact, the world will tell you if you preach the Word of God that is hate speech. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to jump down to verse 6, and we see the third test that we're given. The final test John gives us is that, does the teacher not listen to the apostles? Look at verse 6 with me real quick. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God doesn't listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You see, there's a contrast between those that are in the world and those who are of God. The world listens to those that are in the world, and they don't listen to the ones that are of God. That's what it says. We are God, and he who knows God hears us, and he who doesn't know God doesn't hear us. That's how we can tell whether it's a spirit of truth or a spirit of error. What he's saying is that those who are of God and have the Holy Spirit in them, they enjoy fellowship with other believers. They enjoy speaking the common language And they enjoy hearing God's word and learning more. They have a spiritual hunger for it. They love being around each other. If you don't want to be around someone that teaches the word of God, then you need to check your spirit. If you flip all the way back to 1 John chapter 1, look at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Again, we need to be in God's Word so we can have fellowship not only with Father and the Son, but with each other, and that our joy may be complete. And so if you're of God, then you want that fellowship with others, and you want to know more about God, and you want to speak and have that fellowship that time together. But if not, he says, he who is not of God does not hear us. Understanding that just to hear what God has taught through the apostles as recorded in the New Testament helps us to know the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. If someone hears what God has said in the Bible, we know that he has the spirit of truth. But if he doesn't hear what the Bible says, then he, that person teaching has the spirit of error. 
But we need to remember if we've been saved, we've been redeemed, and we are living with in alignment with God the Father and Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit's coming, he's living inside of us, and he will guide us, he will filter. John 14, 26 tells us, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. The Holy Spirit will bring back to memory those things that we study and what we've been taught and what comes out of God's word. He will help us test the spirit. That's how we know a good spirit from an error spirit. And my question for you today, are you testing the spirit? Are you challenging what is being taught to you, letting the stuff into your head and hearing things that sound right, but don't line up with the word of God? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to prick your heart today and challenge the very eras, that 1% that I showed you just on the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses, that may be coming from a large church, a well-respected pastor, even though he may be errant in what he's teaching? As I close this lesson, hopefully you walk away today a teacher or a preacher who makes an appeal to anything else but the word of the apostles or the word of God is not from God. So often teachers make an appeal to feelings and experiences rather than what God's word teaches. The teaching will not be built upon a statement that begins with I think or I feel or do you think. The teaching is from what the word of God says. It's built on God's holy word. There are dogmatic false teachers out there that will not be swayed by the word of God. When presented the error and shown in the scripture, that person doesn't consider God's word at all. They consider what they believe. All of us should always listen to God's word and reconsider our beliefs and position on the basis of what God is revealing to us. If it's a retraction that we have to do, I don't care who you are. If God is revealing you that something you believe doesn't line up with his word, then we need to retract that. We need to change our thinking and follow the word of God. We need to make the scripture a part of us so that we don't sin against him. We're given an important task to test the spirit. We can't accept every teacher or every teaching that claims to be from God. The three tests that John teaches us today is to apply, does the message of the teacher conform or conflict with the previous revelation from God? Does the message appeal to the passions and desires of the world? And last, does the teacher listen to the word of God? Does the teacher make his appeal from the word of God? With these tests, we can look at scripture, we can listen to what's being taught, and we can determine what's good and what's errant. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together, Lord. This is a lesson that we all need to hear. Whether you're new as a Christian or whether you've been a Christian for 50, 60 years, we all need to challenge and test the Spirit. We need to understand, does it line up with what your Word teaches us? Does it contradict what your Word says? If it does, then we need to throw it out. But if it's along the lines of your word and it teaches what your word teaches, then we need to take it to heart. And if we don't line up with what we're being taught, but it lines up with the word of God, then we need to fix ourselves. And Lord, I pray today that if there's one listening today that starting to see some of the things that have listened to the word where it's okay to have an adultery, have an affair, 
It's okay to have a homosexual relationship. It's okay for a woman to be a preacher. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray today that they would lay it at your feet. They are believing something that the world espouses, but it doesn't line up with your word. Lord, I pray today that they would ask for forgiveness because when we go against your word, that is sin. And your word teaches us that we have to confess that sin and we have to turn from that sin and we have to chase after you. We have to commit to follow you. Lord, I pray today for the one that doesn't know you at all. Lord, I pray today that they would do what I just said. Lord, they would believe that they need you as their Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, they would believe on your finished work on the cross, how you were the perfect sacrifice. You bought our freedom. You overcame sin's chasm that we have from a holy God. Your blood makes us able to stand before you. But not only did you die on the cross, but you overcame death and you rose again. You gave us an eternal hope. Lord, I pray today that they would understand they need that Savior. But not only do they need that Savior, they'll believe on you as Lord of their life and the work that you did on the cross. And Lord, that they will commit and follow after you. Lord, they will follow you. And Lord, right now, I just thank you for all that are listening. Lord, I pray a blessing over them. Lord, I pray that this lesson will fall on fertile soil. Lord, as we listen to other teachings, as we listen to those teachers around us, we will make sure it lines up with their teaching in the Word of God. Lord, right now, I just pray a blessing over each and every one that hears this lesson. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.